All right. We are going to get into the word today. For those of you who were not here last week, I shared with you just um, kind of the vision and what I believe God is saying to us for 2023. Does anybody remember what the word was? Advance. I feel like God is saying to us, we need to advance. We need to take our marching orders. Yes, amen. And, and advance into the kingdom, okay? For long enough, we have been, you know, we, we get it through COVID, we got a little comfortable sitting in our living rooms, watching church on TV, and, uh, and, and just kind of, we just kind of like, just took a little recline back. And I really believe that God is saying we need to advance. We need to like pick up our big girl pants our big boy pants, and let's advance, because the enemy is, is obviously prowling around this world, and, and even though we are not going to change that right now, he will continue to do what he is doing until Christ comes, but that does not give us reason to just sit back and go, oh, I'm just going to wait till Christ comes. We need to advance and storm the kingdom and bring as many people with us, amen, as we possibly can. So today, I am going to, um, the title of my sermon today is Remember Lot's Wife. Do you mind just passing my water? Sorry. Remember Lot's Wife. Thank you very much. All right. We are going to turn to Luke 17, 32. Luke 17:32 and this is an interesting little passage of scripture because Jesus is teaching and he's actually in this moment he is talking to the disciples and he is explaining to them about the end of time in that he's coming back again. So he's talking about the end of days. And in Luke 17, verse 32, he makes a very short sentence. And this is the second shortest verse in the Bible. Does anybody know what the first shortest verse in the Bible is? Jesus wept. Jesus wept. This is the second shortest verse in the Bible. And it says, remember Lot's wife. That's all he says. Remember Lot's wife. And what's very interesting when we read this and we kind of go through the text, nowhere else in, in Scripture, do in New Testament, do we see Jesus telling us to remember another person. Except here. This is very significant. Why would Jesus point out one person in the Bible? And he tells us in that verse, Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Now, I think my husband, I have, I, somebody asked me if I brought a two by four to church. Um, kind of. <laughs> Remember Lot's wife. Salt boxes. Do you get the joke? <laughs> She's salty. <laughs> Remember Lot's wife. Thank you, my husband, Daryl, for building Lot's wife for me. <laughs> Did he do a good job? Yeah. Do you remember doing this? Remember Lot's wife. 
Now Jesus is talking to the disciples. The interesting thing about this is Lot's wife, we don't really know much about her. We don't even know her name. We know as we can tell through history that she was a Canaanite woman. But she's just simply known as Lot's wife. And what's very interesting is we can talk to a lot of people who don't really come to church, who maybe don't know a lot about the Bible, but they can tell you what happened to Lot's wife. They know it's a pillar of salt. I remember when we used to live in Sault Ste. Marie and there was this memorial place and out in their front lawn they had this big, big uh, statue, you know, you could go and buy different statues and whatever, and it was of this woman who was, you know, kind of doing this. And we always would say, okay, when you get to the, when you get to Lot's wife, then you turn, okay? So, so Lot, everybody knows the basic idea of Lot's wife, that she turned into a pillar of stone. So we need to go back to the Old Testament and let's look at the story of what, how did this happen? How did Lot's wife become a pillar of salt? And why, of all people, in the word of God, in all people that Jesus would tell us to remember, why would he say Lot's wife? Remember Lot's wife. Okay, so I'm just going to paraphrase for time. But you can go back and read it on your own, the full story. I would say, like, read Genesis 17 to 19 in that kind of chunk of scripture. I'm just going to paraphrase um, as best as I can today. We'll look at a few, a few of the verses. So Abraham and Lot. Abraham was Lot's uncle. And they were leaving together. I, I did a message on this a while ago with three chairs, and God called Abraham out. You know, when he was on his way to Canaan, that was the idea, just going to the promised land. And Abraham and Lot became so big in their families, they just, their families were multiplying, and their animals were multiplying, and there just became like so many people that they were traveling with that Abraham said, you know what, Lot, um, I'm just going to get you to choose. You choose which, which piece of land you want uh, to continue to live on, and, and I'll go the other direction. Let's just part ways amicably, uh, and, and you just take a different, a different area so that, um, so that we, can, we have more space for our animals to feed and, and space for our families and all that kind of stuff. So Lot decided to take this place near the Jordan River, near a town called Zor, and he, he eventually ended up settling into a city called Sodom. So Sodom and Gomorrah is what we're going to be talking about. And in the, in the Bible, it talks about a well-watered city. So he, he chose this well-watered area that he was going to move on with the intention to keep farming and taking care of all of his animals. And Abraham went the other way. So time goes on, and the Lord sees the wickedness in Sodom. In the city of Sodom, it was wicked. The people were horrible, and God's heart was, was mourning this, and he decided, you know what, I'm going to destroy 
this city. So God, in the, in the Bible, when we, when we read through this, we see that the Lord comes with two people, two angels, to Abraham, and comes to him and, and lets him know we're going to be destroying Sodom. Like, there's so much wickedness there. There's, we just need to get rid of it. And, and Abraham is like, but Lord, what? Like, would you destroy the wicked people with the righteous? How could you possibly even consider doing something like that? And so Abraham makes a deal with, with the Lord and with the angels and, and says, like, if there's 50, if there's only 50 righteous people in the city, will you spare the city? And God says, yes, okay, I'll spare the city for 50. And Abraham says, but no, but wait, what if there's 45? I'll spare it for 45. What if there's 30? I'll spare it for What if there's 20? What if there's 10? Lord, will you spare the city if there is only 10 righteous people? And God says, yes, I will spare the city if there is at least 10. The next day, they get up and they go to the city of Sodom. And as they get to the city, they meet up with Lot. And this is very important to understand because when you are a person who sits at the city gate, that means that you are in a person of high authority. You are a judge or you, you are a leader of some some uh, way. You're a leader when you are sitting at the city gate. So in all this time that Abraham decided to separate with Lot and Lot took this land because it's going to be better for his sheep, at some point in time, Lot put that lifestyle aside and he decided to completely blend in with the city and to a point where he became a leader. He was a leader of that city. He was of high esteem, high rank in that city. And, the, and, the, and the, these angels and, this, and the Lord find him here at the city gate. And it says that they, they went to him, and, and Lot's like, you've got to stay with me, and they were going to just stay in the city, and, and Lot finally uh, encouraged them to stay with them in their home. So Lot is at home, and he's, he's having his wife, Lot's wife, she doesn't have a name, Lot's wife, prepares some unleavened bread, which, by the way, we had on Wednesday evening because uh, Kirsten made unleavened bread and brought it in for us to taste, which was super fun. Um, so we, he brings it, he has a meal with them, and they're, they're having an evening together, and, and the angels are saying, the Lord is coming, the Lord's going to destroy because of the wickedness of this city. And I've come to seek out if there's, if there's any righteous in this city. And so they, they prepare to go to bed and, and, and get ready for the morning because the next day God, God has intention to destroy this city. And, and, and everybody starts getting ready for bed and, and all of a sudden there is a mass ruckus outside. And it says in scripture, it says all, verse 4, uh, Genesis 19.4, if you, if you want to look there, it says, all men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. This city is so wicked and so horrible that all the men, young and old, everything in between, 
came to the doors of Lot because they saw that there was new men in the city and they came storming at the doors and they yelled at Lot, give us the men because we want to have relationship with them. We want, I'm just going to put it out there for what it is. We want to have sex with them. That's literally what it actually says in the word. We want to have sex with them. It says all the men, all the, anybody who was male, stormed Lot's house because they wanted to be with these men. Lot goes and he closes the door behind him and he begs them, please don't take these men. He has enough left in him, enough of his, his faith belief, just a, a, a tiny bit enough to know that this is wrong. This is disgusting. This is wrong. You cannot have these men. But bizarrely and disgustingly enough, he closes the door behind him and he tries to make a deal with them. And he says to them, don't take these men. But I have two daughters who are virgins that you could have instead. It's disgusting. But he's trying to make a deal which goes to show his character of the lifestyle that he was living. When he's trying to make a deal with the devil, basically, but yet trying to still uphold in some capacity that he's trying to hold safe these men of God. And suddenly the angels, they come out of his house and they, they push Lot back into the home and they say, they, they talk to everybody uh, that's out there and they strike them with blindness. So all the men of the city, young and old, are struck blind. And they are still, the word tells us, still even in their blindness, Groping at the door. Let us in. We want in. Imagine. Imagine. The next day, the two men said to Lot, God's going to destroy this land. And Abraham has asked if there's any righteous in here. So by mercy, the word of God tells us by mercy, the angels will, will say to him, do you have any family who are not in this house? Because we're going to give you a chance to save them. He says, I have two son-in-laws who are soon to be betrothed to my daughters. So he opens up the door and talks to the men, the boys, the son-in-laws. Now, what does that tell you? That tells you that the two son-in-laws, the two men who were about to marry Lot's daughters, were the men who were in the crowd, who were banging on the door to be allowed to come in so they could have sexual relationships with the men in the house. That's Lot's soon-to-be son-in-laws. Like, I don't know about you guys, but... Like, Daryl would, like, lap off Josh's head. Like, at the very least, those men should have been, as soon as Lot said, you can have my daughters, at the very least, you would think that the betrothed husbands would be like, no, protect them. 
didn't do that. They were part of this sin. That's how wicked the city was. And Lot called out to them, come. Come and be saved. The city's going to be destroyed. Come. And you can come with us. And you can be safe. And the two men, they refused. They, they didn't want to go. 1914, it says, Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were about to marry his daughters, and they chose not to listen. So dawn comes, and the angel says, it's time to leave. It's time to leave because God is going to destroy this city. And scripture tells us that Lot takes, gets ready, tells his wife, okay, okay, we've got to go, and, and we've got to leave this city. It's going to be destroyed. And so the angels are right. all right, let's go. And, and, and Lot and his wife, it says that they, they paused. They, they hesitated. The angels are like, we've got to go. Today's the day. God is going to, if you don't leave, you are going to die with all of these people. And God, by his mercy, is saving the people in your home. You've got to come. And Lot and his wife hesitated. Well, but I don't want to leave. Like, I don't want to leave my home. I don't want to leave my friends. I don't want to leave the life that I had. Don't you know I'm a leader here? And don't you know me and my wife are high esteem here? And if I leave, like, I don't want to leave all that we have. And the word tells us that the angels literally grabbed the hands of the daughters and of Lot and of Lot's wife and pulled them with him out of the city. And as they're heading to the mountains, Lot makes a deal with them and says, I, I can't go live up in those mountains, it says. But God, can, 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 you, can you just allow us to live in, the, in a small little town over here? It's called Zor. Can, can we live there instead? And I'm sure God is shaking his head, because he probably does with all of us sometimes, let's be honest. Like, just like, Really? Really? So they agreed. They granted his request. In verse 23, in chapter 19, it says, By the time they reached Zor, the sun had risen. So they, they, they're, they're literally just getting to Zor. They, they've traveled out of Sodom, and, they, and they, they've come this way. Now, now, one part I forgot to tell you that's a little bit important is, is they were instructed when you leave, don't look back. Don't look back. When we leave the city, you are to leave it all there, and you are to move forward and look forward to what God has for you. Look how God is saving you by his grace. Because there was no righteous people in that city. The way Lot was living, he was not living in a righteous way. But God in his mercy, the word tells us, he, they let him go. They, they brought him out. You can leave. You're coming with us. But don't look back. They reached the door. And all of a sudden, sulfur rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and you can go to the, you can go to this, I've watched on History Channels, this is a thing. Like the city literally now, it's still like that. Archaeology has checked it out. And this city is still covered in, in sulfur. 
So they're, they're almost to Zor. They're like literally like, it's right there. And then all of a sudden, Lot's wife pauses. And in her mind, that was probably like this, but you all know we can have how many thoughts in our brain just like, you know, when you're falling and you're like, oh, this is going to hurt. Oh my gosh, I'm going down. But it's like one second, but you have all these things. So in the moment, she starts to think about all the things that she has left behind. All the friends of her past. The, the high in society that she had. Her husband was a leader. She's leaving behind all of this stuff. And as she's running this way, she pauses and she looks behind. And verse 26 of Genesis 19 says, But Lot's wife looked back. And she became a pillar of stone. She became a pillar of stone. She was almost so close to safety. So close to being saved. And she looked back. She looked back wishing, longing, hoping for what was past. And she couldn't let it go. She couldn't let it go. She couldn't move forward. She couldn't see what was ahead. She kept focusing on what was behind. She now literally for, there's no life. I was going to say the rest of her life, but she's kind of dead. Um, she's forever stuck. She's forever stuck. And forever now, she will always be remembered as Lot's wife who turned to a pillar of salt. She will no longer be remembered as the wife of the prestigious Lot. She will never be remembered as, oh, that was my best friend. She will never be remembered as, oh, that lady, she could cook some mean bread. Like, she was such a good baker. She will never be remembered as, oh, she, her house was always neat and tidy when we would come over. She would never be remembered for anything from her past, except for the fact that she is Lot's wife who turned to a pillar of salt. She could not get past what was behind. She couldn't see forward to where God was taking her. She couldn't see forward, stuck in the past. And, and as I was preparing this, I was reminded of my hairdressing days when I was doing hair. And I'm sure Vanessa, my daughter, can, can attest to this one, is being in the salon. And time and time again, I would get ladies who would bring me pictures of themselves from 20 and 30 years past. And they would be like, I want my hair like this. Can you do that for me? And I'm like, honey, it ain't the hair that you're wanting. You're wanting the body and the face and the non the wrinkles and that's what you're wanting. It's not the hair. It's the whole package. Can you make me look like what I did in the past? Because we're stuck in the past. Pillar of salt stuck in the past. Having an unhealthy attachment to our past. So remaining in feelings that brought you comfort, that brought you pleasure, and being afraid to advance. 
Being Because the advancing and going forward is the unknown. We know what's back here. We know what, what happened. And, and, and I grow weary of hearing the stories of, oh, remember the day. I remember back in the day where Holy Spirit came down and we saw tons of fire. Those were the good old days. Well, it's 2023, and we're not going back. I'm not going back. I hope you're not going back. I want to advance, and I don't know what's forward. I don't know what is to come. I have no idea, but what I do know is that Christ is there, and that's where we're going. Let's stop remaining in our feelings of disappointment. Why is it not like what it used to be? Because God's doing a new thing, and it's going to look different. Our church, right now, people look around. It looks different. And I love it. I love it. I love all the cultures that are bringing in. I love sitting down with, with, with people from other countries and different nations and different you know, traditions. I love sitting down and going, okay, tell me. And I love it being reciprocated. We, we had Helen Motherell's funeral, and I loved how some of our families from Nigeria and from Ghana called me up and were like, what is your culture in this kind of situation? What do you do? Because they wanted to reach out to the family, but they didn't know what is correct. And I, not correct, but what is, what, what do we do in our culture? And I love that because we are embracing each other and we're loving each other despite that we might come from different areas or our skin color might be different. Despite it all, we all have Jesus as our center. And so we need to advance. I don't want to go back. I love Cedarview Church and I love the first day that I came here. And I am sure as all get out positive that the, because remember when I first came, we were online, and I distinctly remember the very, very first sermon after the preach for call, my first sermon in house that I preached to you guys. And I am sure for those of you who remember, and those of you who are here, I probably freaked you out a little bit. Because we sang the song, Oh Happy Day. I don't know if any of you remember, I remember, because I had Sandra come up to me and say, because we were doing two services. And Sandra came up to me and she said, oh, are you going to save some energy for the second service? Because we sang, oh, happy day. And everybody's like, oh, happy day. And I'm like, are you stinking kidding me? We have been locked up for months, people. And I charged the platform and I'm like, all right, people, you got to get off your seats and you got to pray. you got to dance with me. you got to sing. you got to clap your hands. And I could just feel the whole church going, Oh. <laughs> Who did we vote in? She wasn't like that on the place for call. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> I 
I love those days, but I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to three years ago. Because what God has done in three years in this place, he has turned us into a lovely, like, conglomerate of color and nationality and beauty. United, each and every one, ages, different ages. Look at all the kids we have. I don't want to go back. It was great. It was lovely. But I want to keep moving forward. So let's move on, not remaining in disappointment feelings, unforgiveness, discouragement, complacency, feeling justified. I can feel this way. Don't you know? I have every right to feel. No, you don't. In Christ, we give up our rights. It's what Christ wants. It's not what we want. We need to advance. When our will and our desire and our wants and our comfort become more important than what God's will is for our lives, oh. I listened read through the week, that, listening to different stories and different speakers, and the story about Jesus when Jesus was 12 and he was lost. Mary lost her son for three days. That's good. I don't know why I've never preached it on a Mother's Day sermon. Like, you know, that's got to give some moms some like, oh, thank you, Jesus, I'm not the only one. <laughs> oh, when Mary lost Joseph, uh, Mary lost Jesus. And she finds him, and Jesus is like, well, duh, I'm about my father's business. Are we about our father's business? Are we about our father's business, or are we about somebody else's? Or are we about our own business? This is the year to advance, my friends. Let's do it. Let's do it. No holds barred. Let's do it. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. And I'm going to read Philippians 3, 13 to 14. This is Paul. He says, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward for what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. We need to advance. If you want to advance, stand with me right now. We're going to sing, I have decided, and we are going to make this our declaration. And I challenge you. When we sang it at first, I'm like, oh, this is, this is Jericho Marchworthy right here. <laughs> we need to declare, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, no turning back. No turning back. I have made the decision. I'm done with looking at the past. I'm done with, oh, pining after what used to be. And, oh, remember when my hair was thicker. And remember when my hair was this. And remember when I didn't have these wrinkles right here. And, and remember, blah, blah, blah. Remember when God did. No, I, I want God to do so. I want a new testimony. I want 
going to stand up here and say, God, did, did you see the healing? God, did you see that happen? Did, you know, like testifying what God did today because that makes it relevant to all of our new Christians. They're not feeding off of old food that you've had. For, remember, I don't, want, I don't want to come to church and, and be a new Christian and, and hear about stuff. Well, well, God used to do. Well, why not today? Let's, let's, for the sake of our new Christians in the church, for the sake of them, let's have testimony of what God did five minutes ago. Amen? So let's sing this song together and let's make it a declaration. And I challenge you to come forward. I challenge you to dance before Jesus. I challenge you to walk around this church in a Jericho march in declaration that together we are deciding to follow Jesus. That in this house, CMU Church, we follow Jesus. Amen? That in Paris and community beyond, we are following Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's sing it together.
have chosen, we have declared that we are not going back. We are advancing for the kingdom. We will remember Lot's wife and we will choose to not be like her. From today going forward, God, we are new creations. We are new in you. And we will do all, Lord, with your leading, we will do all to make you great. To make you famous. To declare to the world your goodness and your grace. So God, I speak blessing over every single person watching online and here today. As they make that decision to go forward, Father, lead and guide and go before, I pray. In Jesus' precious name, amen. The worship team is going to continue to play a song, amen. You're welcome to stay and linger or not. Please have a coffee. Stay with us for a coffee. Grab our new family. Get to know them a little bit and enjoy some fellowship together. Have a blessed and amazing week.